Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Today, we are joined by Sarah, who is a launch strategist and copywriter. She is also the host of the Launch Playbook podcast, which is an amazing podcast that you should definitely go check out and subscribe to. And she helps business owners use research and data to map their customer's journey so they can craft a launch experience that makes the people they love serving the most feel seen and heard. And I think this is so critical for us introverts focusing on the customer journey, and then it makes selling and launching feels so much easier. Uh, So welcome, Sarah. I'm so excited you're here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me here. As we were talking about before the show, I feel like we've just been running in the same circles for a while. And I'm so glad that we finally get a chance to dig in for a conversation. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part about having my own podcast is like I get to connect with all these amazing people that I, I probably it probably would have been like another six months or however long before we were able to connect. So. Absolutely. Me too. I love that part about the podcast piece as well. So I'd love for you to tell my audience a little bit more about you, maybe how you got started or who you work with, why you love what you do. For sure. Well, the first, I guess, tidbit I always love to share is that I used to be a teacher. I spent 10 years in the classroom teaching everything between grade one and grade six. And I was also a teacher librarian. So that's where I actually like my background is. And it wasn't until my second maternity leave, which was now 11 years ago, that I decided that I wanted to start like some kind of business. (laughs) And so while I was on mat leave, I had been doing all this like research into cloth diapering for my son. And I wanted, and it was like really complicated. Like I just couldn't figure out like what was the right brand. There were so many questions and it feels maybe it shouldn't be so complicated, but it's not like disposables where you just like there's different types. There's like different, you know, thicknesses and ways to wash them and like the cost around that. So I ended up, you know, figuring out what really worked for us, doing a lot of research and decided that I would open an online cloth diaper business (laughs) as as you do when you're on mat leave. (laughs) So I started my business ventures in that. It was something I put together over my maternity leave. I'm in Canada, so we have a nice long 12 months. So I had lots of time to uh, put it together. And what I realized was my very favorite part of it was doing all the writing. So what stood out for me when I was putting together that business and what I think made things start selling for me pretty quickly, because I did get a lot of traction pretty quickly, got invited to do writing and workshops and speaking and all sorts of things, was because I had spent a lot of time doing that research, doing what I want to call like, I call it like an internet tour, but like listening, like a listening tour on the internet where you're going around and I was reading like all the Facebook groups, like and the moms were hanging out and the questions that they were to, you know, writing down and asking, taking notes of the things that were cropping up. And I use all of that to write my website. 
and to write like the blog posts I was doing and the baby Instagram posts that were just starting to come out then. <laughs> and I used all of that to help me sell and put together my website and I really called people in. And I have like a lot of traction from that. So that was where my first foray into business and writing began. From there, I eventually ended up closing that and opening a Green Mums blog where I had a, a bunch of writers for years. And that morphed into doing social media and copy and content writing for green businesses and other education businesses. And that pivoted again into, into doing copywriting because a lot of those clients ended up taking their services and were putting together courses and products, like, like workshops and things, and wanted me to write their sales pages and their sales emails. And so that's sort of like the short version of where I got to where I am now. It took me a really long time, though, to see the connections between the two. But now I just, when I look back, I see it was all started with that, like, listening to her on the internet. And I've done that for each iteration of my business. And it's something I do for all of my clients, as well as that listening. Because when we, you know, when we tune in, when we listen, we find out all the things that people need to hear from us and learn from us. And I feel like that is my very favorite part of the work that I do. Because once you have that information down, like the opportunities and the gaps, they all illuminate for you. And it really sets out a definite path in front of you. I love that you had so many pivots because it it's just a good example of how entrepreneurship is such a journey. It's not like a straight line. <laughs> it's okay sure. to pivot and, and change things up and follow your passions. And I learned two things about you there. Like I had no idea about your, your first business, like how you got started. And then I also didn't realize that you were also Canadian. Um, yeah. I'm Canadian too. Oh, I didn't realize you were either. That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a good point you mentioned about like how we, you know, sometimes it's not a linear journey. And I remember when I made that first pivot from the cloth diaper into the blog and doing the writing there, I was talking to my coach at the time and I was feeling really bad about it because I said like, I invested all this time and money and, I, and although I had like made back my initial investment and made some more and things like that, she was like, think about how, you know, it's kind of like an MBA, essentially. You've just done like an MBA in business, right? <laughs> like you've built relationships, you've done manufacturing, you've dealt with taxes, you've dealt with all like, you've learned how to put together a website, all these things that you have done in the year and a half that I had been doing it. She's like, that it would have taken you years and years to gather somewhere else. So think that you just invested in that. And that really helped her release some of this I had this like lock on feeling like I had to keep doing it and that really, really helped a lot. So I always, I always, you know, went back to that every time when I did the pivot and then later on the pivots just became natural and easy. And, and I, and I understood that that was just the way business is. <laughs> yeah. I, I can relate to that because I felt the same way with my first business, which was a handmade jewelry business. <laughs> it was like, I, I spent, I think I had that business for 10, 12 years and it was like my baby. And I was like, I'm so burnt out. And I know that, you know, through that business, I, I had people asking me to help them. And then I moved into helping other people. And it was like, I feel bad letting it go or I ended up selling it. But I feel like I've put so much time and effort and money into it. And now it's getting to the point that I like, it's hitting my goal. Like I got my dream, what always was my dream. And I just felt off about it. And it was because I was being pulled and called to do something else. I totally relate to that. 
So I would love to talk about launches because I know, especially live launches, they they tend to get a bad rap and like I've, I've heard many people describe them and myself <laughs> included sometimes that they're overwhelming, exhausting, energy draining. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts around having a more fun launch and, and how launches can can really work and make an impact for your business. Absolutely. You're right. They get such a bad reputation and sometimes very well-deserved, right? <laughs> like Things go sideways. You know, they're not, maybe you don't have the, the biggest plan or the support team or you try to do so much on your own that it is a recipe for burnout. And I think some of the reasons that happen is because you don't, yeah, you don't have a team. You often, when I see it go sideways, it's because people are usually trying to also do it too fast. Like they have this big grand launch plan. And they're trying to squish it into a month. And that's just on top of maybe the work and things that they already have going on. So it really just leads to long nights, long weekends, until you actually get to the time the launch is and where you're supposed to show up with all this energy and you don't have anything left, right, to see it through. And then the other reason I feel like that happens is because they they try to fit it into some other recipe of something they think, and I'm air quoting here, like successful business owners do or that a launch must look like. And it doesn't actually work for their energy um, and the, who they are as a, as a human being. So I feel like that's where things usually go sideways. And I think the antidote to that is a couple things. So one, it's having as long, I want to say a launch runway or planning time as you can allow for yourself. And if you can't have a long one, then adjusting your plans accordingly. Like maybe you don't go for the three webinar type, like sort of traditional launch when you have a short window and maybe no team that you do something differently. Maybe it's an email only launch, or maybe it's showing up on Instagram lives. If that's something you like to do or doing hot seat coaching for folks, as opposed to putting together this whole big workshop, you have to plan and, you know, do all the sort of bells and whistles with the tech. So that, you know, is something is looking at what's realistic or what's going on in your life and thinking about a plan again, as far back as you can, I think the other thing we can do to make it more fun, again, is looking at a launch event, which what I really think of like traditionally has been the webinar, but what's that thing that's going to be the catalyst that says, hey, my doors are open, is what is something that works with your energy? And I know I said that a couple of times, but so, you know, that might not be the workshop. It might not be the live videos. Maybe you are someone who loves working in small groups. That's something I really like to do. So one of my launch events for something I did was called a sales page slumber party. And I opened it up for people to submit on my email list to submit their sales pages. And I would do copy reviews. And I did like a really like quick 10 minute little thing at the beginning of the sales page slumber party where I just said like, here's, you know, the things I want to, I'm going to be looking at today that make sales page really strong. And let's look at yours. So I went through people who submitted and gave them like some, I call them like gold stars, things they're doing well, and a couple like wishes, things that they can improve. And that was my launch catalyst. And it was only 20 people came. And I loved that. And it converted, God, I want to say about 30%. I'm just asking me now because it's a couple of years, like it was about two years ago now. It was around that. So small numbers, but it can, you know, it worked and it worked for me. And that was something I really liked. Another one of my clients had a lot going on during COVID, like that's as a lot of us did, right? <laughs> like her, her kids were home. She had this big launch. She usually did a webinar. So instead we did this boot camp where it was an email boot camp. And what she did was she felt comfortable going 
live every day on Instagram for these four days of the boot camp where people could come and ask questions there. And then at the end, she does a little mini hot seat thing as well. And now these days she has more time and space. Her kids are in school. The world's open back up. And now she's running it over Zoom calls each day of this boot camp. But she's been able to take the same thing and morph it to expand to her capacity and the energy she has these days. So I think finding something that works for you and and trying it, being willing to try it. And then the other thing I think for launches is how can you get people to support you? So I like to think of putting together a launch team. So these are your maybe referral partners, your biz besties, people who support you. It could be people in your email list, your community as well, who are willing to help spread the word about your launch. It helps you not have to do all the, it all yourself, which can be, again, really exhausting. And it helps you build up, you know, bring people in organically. So with that, I like to like send out an email and ask people if they want to be part of like the launch team. And here's what that entails. I try to keep it really, really simple. It's some kind of share, essentially. And you provide the copy and some images that they can share so that it makes it super, super simple for them. And I find that so many people will do that if you ask them, right? Like oftentimes we don't ask. We just, we might feel bad about it or we feel like we don't want to impose on someone. But I find that if you tap into your uh, inner circle or the people who are in your email list or in your world, so many of them are willing to step up and do a share, whether it's on social and their email list or, you know, a personal referral. So that is my other favorite thing to do during a launch, which I think helps, again, alleviate all the pressure on ourselves to have to go out there and, you know, like go, go, go and spread the word and maybe even like dabble into Facebook ads if we don't want to do that. It helps spread the word for us. So those are some of the things that I like to do for a launch that help maybe make you not burn out or at least respect your energy levels and who you are as a human. Yeah, I think a big thing is, especially for introverts, I feel like we only have so much energy every day and our energy gets depleted very easily, especially if we're doing like a launch event where we have to show up in some capacity. So yeah, knowing what your current energy level and capacity is, is so important. And one thing I'll take away from what you said there too, at the beginning was making sure that, that you plan in advance. I find Mm -hmm. that I, I, that's my biggest flaw is that when I get a new idea and I'm excited about it, I want to just run with it and I plan everything out, but in a very short period of time. So I don't give myself the space to actually do all of the things that I could do to make the launch more successful. I hear you. And I think that happens quite a lot. And, And I've been there too. And I'm fellow introvert, like, where I've just gone, gone, gone and gone out there. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, well, it was okay. But like, it could have been better or partway through. I I did get like a lack of energy, maybe started like falling off from my promotions, <laughs> for sure. So I think if, you know, if we're going to do that, it's maybe looking around too and saying, okay, I really, I want to move fast with this. So what, maybe what can go, like what actually in this list of things I want to do is high impact, which one should I keep? And where might I get some support to help me execute this really quickly so that I can sustain that energy and uh, and the capacity to show up for my folks during that time? And sometimes we can't no matter what, right? Like things happen, life happens. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's realistic. So the good thing is the more we launch, maybe repeat something, the easier it does become because we have those foundational pieces. We probably have a sales page. It's pretty good. We have some emails. 
we get to layer things on. So I'm always trying to tell my clients that too, when we're starting, it's like, this is your base, right? We're going to start here. And then next time we can get like a little fancier, add something else in as you grow, because we have more pieces that you can rely on and lean back on, which is, again, helps to alleviate some of that energy suck. That's so important too, because I feel like a lot of times people will maybe not give themselves that space. So they do maybe not do as much for the launch. And then it's maybe not as successful as they hoped. And then what you said there about adding things on for the next launch, most people sometimes don't do that because they think, oh, the first one failed. And it's so, so sad because you put all this time into this amazing offer and you can't really judge the offer based on one launch, especially if you didn't dedicate the time and energy to it that you really could have. Absolutely. And it's a good point with that too, is that if we want, you know, we think that we want to repeat this launch and ideally people do that. Usually there's some tweaks that we can make. And I feel like a big part of that is not setting realistic goals. So when you look at your launch and again, what your time frame is and what you're able to do and your supports and things, having some realistic goals around what you're trying to sell based on, again, your audience size, how much, how you're getting many people you're going to bring in is really, really important. Cause I feel like Sometimes people don't want to repeat a launch because they think it was a failure, but maybe it wasn't a failure. Like I mentioned, I had maybe, what did I say? Around 20 or 30 people come to that sales page slumber party and I had a 30% conversion. 30% conversion is great. Now it was only from 20 people-ish, right? So it wasn't a lot of folks, but it was still a good conversion. So sometimes looking at the fact that, okay, wait, this worked. Now for next time, how do I get more folks in the door, right? Mm -hmm. Is a question. So how do I double down on what worked here? now that I have something to test, but knowing what I guess is realistic for numbers and and having realistic goals and also some goals that maybe aren't just sales, but other goals, like maybe there's visibility opportunities. Maybe there's someone who's going to come in and hire you one-to-one because they saw you do that. They don't want your group offer, but they want your service. So looking at some things like that, I think also helps to keep going with that launch that you have already spent all that time and energy on. That's so true. And I, I think the a good thing there is like the the lifetime customer value because I've had somebody sign up for or a free offer that I was doing to lead into a launch. They didn't buy the launch <laughs> in the launch. However, they stayed on my email list. They continued to consume my content, get to know me. And then I think it was maybe three to six months later, they hired me one-to-one. And I was like, but they initially came from that launch. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I find that happens like quite quite a bit if someone has a one-to-one service that people will stick around because not everyone does want to work in a group capacity, right? They But they are interested in what we have to offer and they want to see what we're about. So that launch can also be such a great opportunity to highlight and showcase the way you work and who you are and bring people closer into your world. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about realistic goals because I think sometimes we see maybe people who are at a higher point in their journey, like they've been doing it longer, they've had consistent results for longer, posting about their 50k, 100k launches, and we're like, okay, I'm going to set that goal. But (laughs) if we don't have the audience, we haven't been nurturing and launched many things before that setting a goal like that for yourself, it'll it'll just be very disappointing at the end. Absolutely, for sure. I'm so glad that you bring that up. Because I think like, that that is something you know, that comes up. And I know for myself, you know, when I, in the early days of working with people, that was a really big conversation I had to have a lot as like in, in launch strategy. 
now I feel like maybe it's just the people that are coming to my world and things I've talked about more, they come in with that mindset of like, this is, I'm, I'm building the foundation that I'm going to use over and over again. I'm willing to learn and tweak as we go because there's always some information to make changes with at the end of the launch. And I feel like that's, you know, that's the best mindset in place to approach you know, heading into a launch is this is, this is not one and done. This is, this is the first of many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. And I, I want to touch on sales pages a little bit. So what would you say are, are five things or, or certain, however many things that you would need on your sales page? I think one of the top and sort of neglected things I also, I feel is people's headlines. So we all have headlines on sales pages, but to use them really purposefully because we have people who are skimmers and they just want to look for certain information. So letting, making sure that your headlines allow them to quickly skim your page and one, glean some information about your offer, but also help them skip to where they want, be it the guarantee, the FAQs, the here's how it's going to work and how it's going to unfold, or here's what you're going to get at the end of our time together, right? Like they're looking for that. They don't want to read the whole thing. So using headlines in a really purposeful way would be one of my top things to include. I also would say having something that shows what people get. And what I mean is so at the end of say your six month program or your six week, whatever it is you're doing, what is the tangible takeaway? And if it's not tangible, what is the big takeaway? Like where will they be at the end of the six months or the time that you have with them? How can you illuminate that? So either it's showing them maybe a, a GIF or an image or some samples of things that they will have at the end of your time together, like on my sales page VIP day. I have a little scrolling gift to show them what like a document will look like at the end of the VIP day, essentially, that they can expect. Some of my clients have screenshots of stuff they've done together. Or maybe you have, if it's more intangible, maybe you have results from folks who've been with you in this, like this is what it might look like. So six weeks down the road, six months down the road, you know, a year down the road, and you have testimonials to speak to that. So helping people understand what that transformation, what that tangible outcome will be or intangible outcome will be, how things will be different at the end of your offer is number two. Also, I like to end it, the sales page with something that I learned from Zafira. She's another copywriter. And it was around adding a note at the end of your sales page, essentially like a note from me to you. So a really heartfelt close, imagine. So if somebody read all the way to the end of your sales page, what would you want them to know? Like, if you're like, listen, this is like the last thing I'm going to say to you. Here's what I really want you to know before you, you know, X out of this page. And so this is your chance to really talk. Like, I, I think like really from your heart to say like, listen, you're still reading because X, you're feeling this. I get it. Here's what I really want you to know just from me to you. So like this heartfelt close, I really like to include. Also visuals. I feel like most people don't have enough visuals on their sales page. When I say visuals, I don't just mean like pretty photos <laughs> of yourself or nice stock photos, but visuals that help bring to life and really illustrate what your offer is about. So it could be mock-ups, it could be gifts, it could be um, you know samples. Depends on again what your offer is. If it is you coaching, maybe it's some pictures of you coaching or some like screenshots of or some images of maybe like documents that you help them fill out, like a plan or something. But helping people 
bring to life the thing that you're talking about helps them understand again what they're going to get i think in business sometimes we and we're working with it we forget that not everyone is as comfortable as buying online as maybe we are right or their or their experience with buying online is different and for them it feels very intangible when it's like all you know through the internet like so how do we help them bring some substance to that and then the other piece would just definitely be putting in testimonials throughout the page that i'd like to put ones that talk about a big win the backups sort of you as a person so around your bio maybe back up your credibility and who you are as a human so not just about what you did for them but what it's like to work with you like you're really warm. You're a good listener. I really appreciated this. Like whatever that thing that people always say about you, your clients, I like to add that in. And then some of those, maybe if there's something around like the investment that they made, if that's an objection your folks have, like talking about the investment they've made. And otherwise those, again, going back to those outcomes after three, six, nine months, something like that. So using testimonials in a variety of ways and for a variety of purposes. Those are my big things I love to see on the sales page. Yeah, those are all really good points. I, I love the part about the headlines because I know we always hear like headlines are so important, but I think when we hear that, we just think of the above the fold headline mm-hmm. <laughs> and not necessarily the rest of the page. And listening to you talk about the kind of people that like scan and are skimmers, I'm definitely a skimmer, but so I will skim the entire sales page and then mm-hmm. and and read the bits that are most important. And if at that point I'm like, yes, I will go back to the top and I will read the entire thing before I sign up, but depending on how the what the investment is. But I definitely skim first. And if you don't catch me with the headlines when I'm skimming, I'm not going to take the time to read the entire thing. I'm exactly the same way as you. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm like, I'll go to certain sections I want to read about and then I'll go to the top and read through if it if I am like intrigued enough. And again, depending on the offer or how much I know the person, like how really warm I am and how much I've been waiting for this offer or not. Yeah, and I, I think that like thinking back of my last big purchase was an eight-month program. And I actually signed up for the program, I think like three months before it actually started. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't even realize it until you described it, but I'm pretty certain that at the very bottom of the sales page, there was like a really heartfelt like note to you. And I'm just <laughs> thinking like that is brilliant to get somebody to sign up for something that doesn't even start for three months and is yeah. pretty expensive <laughs> to have that kind of last heartfelt note about who it's for, like what you can expect. I didn't even think about how that page was set up in that way. <laughs> I mean, I think that part works so well for two reasons, because one, the person's usually read to the end of the sales page is probably a bit logical because they wanted to go through and sort of tick certain boxes, right? They're probably looking like, what is it I'm getting? What is the investment? How does this work? They've read through your FAQ, so they've had questions. So they've ticked some boxes to get all the way to the end. And so one, you're now talking to the emotion, right? The emotional side of things. And then two, if you have someone who, again, isn't more of an emotional person who has really like dug into and leaned into the story part of your sales page, which is usually up near the top, right? Where we're talking about your hopes and dreams and things that you want. They've now gone through those logical sections, which is about like, here's what you get. Here's the guarantee. Here's your FAQs. And now you're reappealing to that part of them where you're like, okay, listen, you've gone through all of this. You know, all these things. Here's what I really want you to know. And so you're tapping back into that emotion. (laughs) Hopefully in a very genuine um, way, are you doing so? And I always think of it like a, a conversation between 
like one-to-one, if I had to talk, if I was talking to that person over tea and like, what would you say? What would you say to them? What would you want them to know? Yeah. And I think especially introverts, I, I feel like that's our superpower is like, we can talk directly to people. Like we, we make those connections easier when it's one-to-one. So if you write that last section in that mindset, like you're talking directly to somebody, it's going to come out much more authentically and it's going to resonate with the person reading it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. When I work with clients, that's what I always like saying, like, imagine we're just talking together, whether they're an introvert or not. Like, what would you just want to tell me? It's not like, like, get rid of the sales stuff, get rid of like, you know, throw that out the window. Like, what would you just want me to know? Why is this so powerful? Like, why should I be here? Mm-hmm. And the things that folks tell me when they talk it out, it's like, like, there's always something in there that you can grab, right? Like something you're like, yes, that is it. That's the story. That's a thing that you want to tell folks that maybe you don't always share, but that they need to hear more of. And that's what we always put in like that heartfelt ending. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's a good reason to work with a copywriter is because <laughs> sometimes it's hard for us to pull that out of ourselves. Like know what what pieces of what we're saying is actually what our potential clients or customers need to hear on on the sales page or in our marketing. Absolutely. And I think it's you know it's hard when we're close to things and and we can over we can overthink that too. And I and and I'll go back to like when I was talking about doing research and why that's important. When you have done all that research too, it really does help because you can like let's say you've chosen that story that you think needs to go in the end. But then you can go back and look at the research and say, okay, here's here's who my clients are right now and here's the type of things that are on their mind, that they're wondering about, that they want. Does this speak to that person? Will will this connect with those things? And you, like, you know, if it's a yes, then great, go with it. And if you're like, oh, actually, I don't know this is going to resonate because they're actually talking about, you know, X, X, and X, then you might go back and like rethink, okay, what's something else that I could maybe share with them instead? So having that research is like a really nice checkpoint for you to say, a uh, match or not. I love that. Yeah, I think I think so many times people that maybe DIY their own sales page, maybe don't skip the research and the data part. And I think that's so critical <laughs> and because you think you're writing what somebody needs to hear or what they want to hear. But if you haven't done the research and act- actually looked at data, you could be totally off base. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I find that like what what happens when we don't do the research is that Oftentimes we're writing like either one, we're still writing to who we were maybe when we started this offer. And so it's not necessarily accurate or as up to date as the questions are coming up now. Also, we might assume that we know more about what's on our clients' minds than we actually do. And so that's one of the great reasons to have onboarding forums or questions like that you ask during your sales calls and things like that. Because it's like places to gather a little bit of information all the time. So you don't have to actually go and do this big research sprint necessarily, you have stuff there that exists in your business already where people have shared things. But but also I think what happens is maybe we're like close because we do talk to people, right? We are paying attention as introverts. We are probably listening a lot, but we tend to be maybe like 10 to 20% off a little bit. And it's just like there's that 10 to 20% tweak we can make when we really hone in on what's going on in their hearts and minds is the difference I feel like for conversion and for sales and for getting more people going, ah, like you totally get what I need right now. You literally, you, cause you're literally using the, their language. You literally can look through this research and say, Oh, like 
here are the six questions that keep coming up over and over again in some way or the other. And I'm going to make sure they're on my sales page. And I'm going to make sure now in my pre-launch time that I'm talking about those things so that people are like batting away objections because I know what's on their minds. I know what's worrying them because they literally have told me right? mm-hmm. as opposed to us guessing. So the more you know, real information that we can have, the easier it is for us to write to something and address them as opposed to making those guesses. And that makes a huge difference in the outcome of our of our launches and our offers. Do you find that a lot of people, maybe if you're looking at sales pages or audits and somebody who maybe hasn't spent the time doing the research, they do you find that they tend to make assumptions about their audience that maybe aren't accurate? Because that's something that I, I've realized that I've done a few times with like, I had an SEO group program and I was like, I'm so into SEO, like I've been doing it for over 15 years that I didn't realize like I was on a call and somebody said, asked a question about a term. And I was like, oh, I just assumed everyone knew that term. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So is it is it sometimes that we're just too close to it and we're making assumptions about what our audience knows or what they don't know? Absolutely. I think that's a huge piece is that because like we're experts, right? So we think that even if we try to take it down a couple steps, there is still this gap. We don't realize that folks don't know the language we know. We might assume because they're in our world, they know, they, you know, they're on our list. They know these acronyms, or we've mentioned that before sometime, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> People need to hear things over and over again, and they need to be, like, it needs to be laid out for them. And often that's why the sales page is nice, because it does, you're kind of moving them through a story, right? You're moving them through, like, and this is the thing that you're here for, and this is what's going on. This is what you're hoping for. And here is like that vehicle, the thing that's going to get you there. You're taking them through that pathway and then into the logical bits and all the stuff that they offer. And the thing is when, yeah, when we are as the expert too close, we might miss those really key pieces that they need to hear and be explained. And it might not be on the sales page. That might be in our pre-emails or our social copy or things like that or podcasts. But we need, we often like, don't know. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. I say the 10 to 20% or off is probably for things like that, when we don't realize that people need more information from us. And that's where that research can help us understand and also understand maybe people who don't know, let's say certain terms or certain things we're talking about, maybe they're not actually the people who are ready for our offer. So we're spending our energy talking to those people, but they're actually not ready to make a purchasing decision right now. They're kind of maybe earlier in their business or earlier in their and their journey to get to us. Maybe they need other things first. So we want to actually find out who the people who are maybe one to two steps away from us. They, they, they're aware of, they have a problem, they're actively looking for a solution. And so now we're able to serve up that solution. We want to talk to people who are more in that time than maybe who don't really know, like you're saying acronyms, or like for in my case, the people who don't know why copywriting is, or maybe even what copywriting is, or how you'd use it, or what a launch is. So things like that, we have to make that, those decisions. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Cause I think like, I have a mini SEO course. That's like, I think it's $37. And like, that is the one that needs to be focused around the people who don't understand the acronyms and want the basics. Whereas the group program is more strategy, more in depth. And yeah, so I think that, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> 
So they're already convinced, like they're already, they're like, they're already on board knowing, Hey, like I know SEO is important and it works for me. So now like, I know it's important for my business. And so now I need to go and get help with it. But maybe the people like in the, you're sending the acronyms, they're still kind of figuring out like, Hey, why aren't I getting traffic? Like what's going on? And SEO, like learning about SEO might be one of the things that they think could be a solution. They could think it's like Facebook ads. They could think it's something else. They're still sort of dabbling into not quite sure maybe the issue. So like the mm-hmm. SEO thing will give them that illumination, that guide you said of, to learn, to look and learn more about it. So they can say, oh yeah, this actually is for me moving on to your group program. That's probably, you've inspired me to go like redo those two sales pages. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love for you to share how people can work with you. Like how do you typically work with clients? I have three main ways. So I have my signature offer. It's called Launchworthy. And that is a done for you launch experience. So I take people, it's usually about three months, sometimes two, depending on their timeline. But we will go through, I'll go through and do the customer research, make the strategy, we'll make a plan from that, the strategy plan before we do any copy. And then from there, I'll do all the copy around, around the launch. So like planning pages for your launch event, maybe new lead magnet, sales pages, emails, some pre-launch content. And then I'm there with you through the launch to help you make the plan with the timeline of it. And then also sometimes right on the fly, because that's what happens <laughs> sometimes during a launch. So that's launch worthy. And then I have a VIP day, although I am expanding into a week because I realized the way I like to write is I like to walk away and come back make changes to headlines and things like that. So I realize a week is a better capacity for me as the way my creative process works. But it is a chance to do either a sales page with me or like or open card emails or a lead magnet landing page. And then I have my coffee boutique where if you're not quite ready for one-to-one services, you can go there and scoop up some templates where I have done like walkthrough trainings. And then you have a chance if you want to add on an audit of the copy that you buy, the template you buy, and I'll give you back a loom audit of how it works. Those are the three main ways to work with me. That is awesome. Yeah, we will have those links in the show notes. You can connect with Sarah, subscribe to her podcast, connect with her on Instagram. And I also wanted to add that, so next week is the third annual Introvertpreneur Virtual Summit. And Sarah is actually going to be a guest expert at the summit and talking about how to create a buzzworthy launch without burning out. So we did touch on this a little bit, but I know there's a lot more to dig into there and how to make a launch feel more fun, especially for us introverts. We need to manage our energy and I, I love launches. I think they're they're so amazing. So I'm so excited for, for your presentation. Oh my gosh, thank you. I cannot wait to share. Yeah, there's definitely some other goodies in there. I think that we didn't talk about today. And also just some nice illustrations and like how it actually looks in practice. So I cannot wait for people to tune in and to join the summit. I'm also going to be like listening to all the different speakers. Cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so amazing. And you've also generously included something in the all access pass. So if anyone grabs a VIP ticket for the summit, you will also get Sarah's launch team bundle that is regularly $97. And that looks amazing. So <laughs> I can't wait for people to uh, scoop that up and then hopefully get people to help support their next launch. (laughs) Yes, let's make launches fun and feel easy and exciting. (laughs) I am here for that. (laughs) Yes. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was so great to finally connect with you. And this conversation is going to be so helpful because I know a lot of people in my audience, especially in, in my membership of introverts, they're all about focusing a little bit more on like digital products, courses, and then comes the launch piece where it's like, okay, now I've created this thing. How do I actually put it out there and sell it and generate excitement? <laughs> so Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a fun conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.